don't sit there and plan and plan and plan. Um, make sure that, you know, you get out there with the content as fast as possible. So in my opinion, um, even if you're trying to design the world's biggest program or build the, you know, this really big hairy feature in a week, you should be able to get early signals on it to decide whether you should invest another month into it. Um, uh, and so I always, you know, with my team, as soon as we come up with something, I'm like, great, where are we going to be at the end of the week? What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. As always, we're talking with experts in process creation, automation, and delegation, basically the people that know how to make business easier. You just heard Jale Rezaei, and this episode is all about the process of personalization. Jale is the co-founder and CEO of Mutiny, a YC-backed company that focuses on helping SaaS companies personalize their website for each visitor. Prior to Mutiny, Jale was employee number 12 and head of marketing and business development at Gusto, who we're partners with, where she grew the company from 500 to 50,000 customers in just four years. Before that, she was director of product marketing at VMware, so she knows marketing. What I loved about this episode is Jale tells us their process for customizing your website to speak to all different customers to maximize your sales. We also go through how they've used experimentation through their growth hacks to really grow the company and how they operationalize their goals with their weekly and quarterly meeting cadence. You'll get a lot out of this episode and hopefully you too start to experiment and personalize. Check it out. Can this business thrive without the owner? You've got to start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. Welcome to Process Makes Perfect. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and as you heard in the intro today, we're talking with Jale Rezai. Jale, welcome. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to chat because you probably know more about personalization than anyone else I've talked to. I saw you for the first time at TechCrunch Disrupt when you were on the stage. And so now we're going to dig in deep to what this whole movement of personalization and customization is because it relates so much to process. Absolutely. Let's do it. So so I know before you started your company, Mutiny, you came from Gusto, which was a really fast growing company. So can you share with everyone just kind of what you did there and what made you take the leap into your own business? Um, yes. Uh, so I started at Gusto around 10-ish um, employees. Um, all of us worked out of a loft in San Francisco, kind of similar to um, where we were at um, with the mutiny. Um, and um, I started there running business development and partner marketing, and then it expanded to running um, all marketing uh, and BD over my four years there. Um, and it actually very much led to the creation of mutiny. So before Gusto, I was at VMware and um, we had really large 
large deal sizes. So a lot of our go-to-market and customer acquisition was around um, helping our sales team personalize their conversations to the persona or the industry that they were um, of the prospect that they were talking to. Um, and then at Gusto, of course, um, you know, we were selling to small businesses and we didn't necessarily have a very large sales team. We actually didn't have sales for my first couple of years there. Um, I hired some of our first sales teams. And so we had to figure out how to bring a lot of that personalization and customization that customers need in order to understand how we could help them into the online world. Um, and so we built um, a lot of different types of personalization there within our landing pages. Um, some of it we did manually, some of it we did with the help of the growth engineering team that was dedicated to marketing. Um, and ultimately, I realized you know, how impactful personalization could be and how challenging it is to do it well um, without having a really good technology to help you with that. So my co-founder, he's also uh, from Gusto. He was an early engineering manager. We left to um, start Mutiny. And so did it feel like there just wasn't a tool in the market to do this or it wasn't easy enough or what was the spark? Yeah, I mean, uh, there is both a science and an art to personalization. Um, and nothing really helped with the art, um, meaning what do you personalize for whom and how. Um, and then on the science part, there was a lot of work that had to be done uh, by engineers to wire together the, the right data sources for personalization, to be able to make changes to web experiences that required designers and front end. Um, you know, we had to have a lot of analysts take a look at data in order to kind of understand um, what were the most important segments. Um, and so across the board, it was just really challenging to do personalization in a scalable way um, uh, without um, any kind of additional technology, which is why we had to build a lot of our own. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so uh, you started Mutiny and you, you you knew that there was an opportunity here. You know, to me, personalization is all about creating a better experience or a better process from the customer's perspective, right? But it seems like an endless rabbit hole where you could customize everything. So how do you know what's the right amount of customization for, for your, your customer? How do you put the, the least effort in to get the most impact? Yeah, absolutely. We call it the 80-20 of personalization. And I actually just uh, did a training session for some of our customers a couple of days ago on this. Um, so I think a lot of people assume that when they have to do personalization, they have to change every aspect of their website. And the reality is that when a visitor comes to a website, they actually skim the website and they tend to look at a few really important things that pop out. So top of the fold, uh, the headline, the call to action, uh, they uh, they look a lot at uh, the logos and the case studies, as well as things like the feature headers um, uh, and the bottom of the page CTA. Um, and so things that are uh, take a really long time to create content around are actually things that most visitors don't really look at. 
um, in detail. And it's these bigger things that pop that end up drawing in their attention and make them interested to engage more with the company. Um, and so we've been very successful helping our customers focus on the pieces that matter and not to spend a ton of effort trying to rewrite every word of their website. Um, and, um, and in addition to that, I would say, um, let's say you want to do industry-based personalization, and there might be eight industries in which you're interested in. Um, we, we help them prioritize based on the size of the different groups. So within Mutiny, uh, we have um, the capability to show you uh, who are all of the different audience segments that are coming to the website and how big are these different groups and what's their conversion rate. And so you can usually you can start with just your top industry or your top geography um, or, you know, returning visitors versus new visitors. So you create large groups um, and and you experiment and you figure out kind of what works for them from a personalization standpoint. And then once you have that, then you have a playbook and you can go and stamp that out really easily for other industries or geos, et cetera. Um, and then we also, um, we also uh, analyze the website and we look at the different visitors. We look at um, winning experiences across, um, you know, the aggregate customer base. Um, and we make recommendations around what segments should be personalized for and how. Um, and so our customers can also, if they don't know where to start, they can basically just look at our recommendations tab, which is a really data-driven way to, um, to approach what they should be focused on. And I love that you call the recommendations playbooks, right? Inside inside the application. So that's really cool. Yeah. If you could pick one thing for a, for a business owner to focus on, what's the quickest win or the thing that you see most people change and get the best results? Or maybe you've got a, a case study you can describe that they made this one change and it totally opened things up for them. Yeah. So the biggest, um, uh, I would say, changes that tend to work really well across the board is um, there's there's two playbooks. One is um, separating out self-service and startups from larger enterprise users um, and making some changes to the homepage um, as well as the call to action for those two different groups. Um, and then the other one that seems to work across the board is uh, customizing the social proof to the industry that the visitor is from. And those are both pretty easy changes to make. And we see them have an impact of um, somewhere between 30 to, for one of our customers, um, about 200% increase in leads. Wow. So customizing social proof based on industry or company size or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So Amplitude changes all of their logos um, throughout their site based on the industry that the person's coming from. And anyone who sees that personalization, uh, has a, they get 54% more leads from that segment. Um, and then the, um, the example of self-service versus enterprise that I was thinking of is one of our customers, Livestorm. They um, do webinar software. Um, and uh, they serve both self-service but also enterprise. And so they have a they delete certain things on their site for enterprises. They change the call to action. Um, they highlight features that are more relevant for large teams, um, and that has increased their conversion with an enterprise quite substantially. 
Yeah, it's so interesting. And when I first started to learn about this, you know, you you think there's there's big retail stores that have these signs across their whole store, the departments or the areas where if you want to shop for women's clothes, you go to that floor or that <laughs> section and it's very easy. But yet websites are this, you know, one size fits all approach for a lot of businesses. So it's smart that companies are starting to invest here. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, that's a really good point. And uh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Carta is a big user of Mutiny. Um, and what drew them to Mutiny was that, um, you know, they were like, we have a lot of different messages for different audiences. And their product works across the board beautifully for all of those segments. But they felt that by having one message for everybody, it would almost fit nobody because they had to water it down so much to make sense to every single segment. Um, and so now with Mutiny, they have all of their customers um, uh, segmented and everybody sees a different message, different feature set. They're able to really shorten what they put in front of the customer. So their startups will not hear about really sophisticated um, you know, equity management features that they simply don't care about and actually deters them potentially from using Carta. Investors will only hear about the investor product that they have, um, um, et cetera. Yeah. So for everyone listening, think about your website as like your best salesperson. And if your good salesperson gets on the phone, you know how to shift that conversation based on the person that's on the other end of the phone. And your website doesn't do that shifting unless you use a product like Mutiny. So definitely check it out. Um, I, I want to shift into kind of the back office of how how you've grown the company because you have the playbook for this fast growing Silicon Valley based company. So both Gusto and Mutiny have scaled really quickly. What kind of growth hacks did you borrow from your early days at Gusto? Well, um, you know, I always get asked this question of, um, you know, what are the best channels that we should be using? And I think when I started in marketing, um, I had a similar perspective. I was always looking for the silver bullet. Um, and what I learned is um, you actually just have to be really fast and experimentation oriented. So you start with uh, a kernel of insight about your customers and you get that through talking to customers um, and, and, and diving deep into what are the problems that they're trying to solve and how are they spending their time? What are they reading? What are they doing? Um, and out of that might come an insight around a program that you want to build. Um, and then from there, it's just a matter of how quickly do you ship your, the first version and get out there so that you can start to get results. Um, and then iterating from there. And so I, I, I kind of have this process by which you break down a large problem um, by essentially um, first defining, well, what is the problem? Like, what is the thing that we want to achieve? Like, maybe it's getting 100,000 accountants um, across the U.S. to become a partner of Gusto or, you know, in our case, maybe working with agencies to promote mutiny. And then what we do is we we essentially ask this, like we put on what we call black hat and we say, well, let's assume that it's two years from now and it didn't work. What went wrong? And that helps us identify all of the critical levers 
for the program in order to for it to actually work. Um, and so, you know, oh, there weren't that many agencies or they didn't have enough customers in our ICP or personalization was too far of a reach from their existing core competency. And so you enumerate all of these things that are important and then you uh, and then you you essentially attach a metric to each one that if hey if this thing ends up being true you know what's the metric that we would know that we that, we, that we're in a good place with respect to this lever um, and and we just kind of order them because you know if lever one doesn't work then it doesn't really matter you know that the if if they're not interested in it it doesn't matter that it's scalable right um, and then you start tackling them um, tackling these smaller problems in a much, much faster way. And the big focus is always ship it. Um, don't sit there and plan and plan and plan. Um, make sure that, you know, you get out there with the content as fast as possible. So in my opinion, um, even if you're trying to design the world's biggest program or build the, you know, this really big hairy feature in a week, you should be able to get early signals on it to decide whether you should invest another month into it. Um, uh, and so I always, you know, with my team, as soon as we come up with something, I'm like, great, where are we going to be at the end of the week? So that, that was going to be my next question. This experimentation process you've got, it sounds like you've got a, a pretty formalized approach for how you do this. So what, what is the meeting cadence like, or what's the, the cycle or, or is it weekly sprints always, or, or does it start with the experimentation squad and then it gets handed off once it's working to a different team? How do you do that? I mean, I think um, as your team gets bigger, you can certainly formalize the process. Um, you know, I think at times with Gusto, when we were um, attacking new verticals, um, you know, and we had a team of product people and designers and marketers, um, um, you know, we developed more formal structure around that process where we would um, meet once a week, ideate, um, everybody would vote on the ideas, and then we would pick the top ones and we would do a weekly sprint. And, um, and then the subsequent um, week, we would have a learning meeting where we would share the results of what had we learned because the whole point of experimentation is you're encouraging speed of getting things out there and speed of learning as opposed to perfection or being on brand and you know doing a bunch of random things. So it's all centered around like, okay, what did we learn from that? And, and shutting things down as soon as you learn that this was a great hypothesis, but um, it's not going to end up working for us. Um, at Mutiny, we're a much smaller team, so we don't actually really have, um, we don't have something formal around it. Um, you know, we have a process by which we do the planning and breaking down um, the problem, but then um, we, we essentially just have a weekly meeting where we, in a less formal way, do what I just described, um, where we talk through, okay, what did we learn last week? What's the most important thing going into next week? Um, and, um, and, and we focus how we spend our time for the following week based on um, what the cumulative knowledge um, that we have so far. 
So it sounds like you've got an experimentation kind of culture, which I think is really valuable for people listening that everyone should be building these experiments and meetings and, you know, the, the think you put on the black hat and think ahead to figure out the problems. My wife right now is doing these worksheets with my son for doing little science experiments with hypotheses and things around the house. And it's the same thing for your business. Like if you could do a one page experiment on a growth channel or something that could work, that's a great recommendation. So thank you for that. Um, so, so I guess as we round things out here, I'm curious how, how has your process or procedures evolved over the last couple of years that mutiny has been around? Um, yeah, I mean, um, we've done, um, uh, I would say a couple of things in terms of, um, in terms of process that has worked really well for us. Um, so we've always been very goal oriented. Um, and so from the very beginning, you know, you know, we're building this data-driven, you know, marketing platform um, that's centered around personalization. And there is so many different, you know, components or things that you can do within that. And it's going to be a 10-year journey for us to build that. Um, and so what we did is applying the same kind of hypothesis formation, we broke that down into um, smaller components of things that have to be true, um, as well as metrics attached to each one. Um, and so the way we've approached approached um, building the business has been, you know, always having an eye on these hypotheses in the back of our heads and being able to compare our progress against what we think, you know, okay, problem solved is, um, you know, where the metric needs to be for us to be able to kind of check that as, okay, we've solved this problem. Um, and, and then what we do is, you know, we have a, um, we, we have our, um, next business milestone very clearly in mind. So we know where we want to be in the next, you know, usually it's like 12 to 18 months is sort of the, the, the window for, for the business where, where we know we want to be as a whole. Um, and then we back into, um, uh, what is our quarterly plan? Um, and that usually follows um, a retro. So we would take a look back at the previous quarter. We would look at where we are against the hypotheses and what we learned in the market in whether it's customer experience, NPS, or, um, or you know, conversion results from sales. Um, and then we articulate, okay, here's the biggest problem that we need to be solving as a company in the subsequent quarter. Um, and then we organize our offsites around that problem. So we break that down and we come up with, you know, what are the three most impactful projects that we could be doing across go-to-market and product in order to tackle that problem. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the offsite, we, we basically exit the offsite with, these are the three key um, OKRs. So the, the three objectives as well as the key results that are going to help us decide whether we've reached this objective or not. And that's a process that we follow every quarter. It's also a process that we do every week. So we kick off every Monday with the week's OKRs. We close every week with, uh, with a retro on the OKRs for that week, as well as what's the most important thing next week. I think everyone that's listening is probably starting to hear a theme from all of our episodes, which is you've got to operationalize your goals and have a process for getting them done. And so beautiful example there. And then operationalizing or, or perfecting a process around experimentation, so important, and having a process around how you personalize your messaging for each customer. Great suggestions. As we wrap this up, we've got what's called the double tap, which is just five questions that you can say the first thing that you think of. So let's give it a try. Okay, great. All right. What's a brand you think has perfected its process? 
Um, I think Intercom probably, as far as a B2B is concerned, is a pretty interesting brand. Um, I think um, they take a good amount of risk. They create really good content. Um, they integrate design into everything that they're doing. So I'm usually impressed with a lot of the stuff that they put out. Yeah, good one. We use them. Um, who's someone that's coached or mentored you? I've had a lot of really great uh, mentors, I would say, um, over the years. But the one that um, most recently comes to mind, Lexi Reese um, at Gusto. She was our COO. Um, and she really taught me how to show more of my personality um, as a leader. Um, I think uh, I hadn't had great role models for leaders who um, where you could see the person. Um, and there was a lot of, as an engineer, like I lead with objectives data and um, and figuring out kind of like how to be a whole person to to the team was um, was a something that she taught me. I love that. Uh, favorite book or podcast? Ooh, the Sun Also Rises by Hemingway. Nice. Oldie. Most yeah. entertaining person you follow online? Oh, my gosh. Um, I follow a lot of uh, comedians on Instagram. Um, so the two that I probably forward their stuff the most is one is Trey Kennedy. And the other one is Matt. Um, I think it's pronounced uh, Bouchel. Um, they're, um, uh, Matt is a composer and a comedian and Trey is a comedian. And so they're constantly creating these shorts and I've gotten so many of my friends hooked on them. Right, I'm going to look them up right after this. Last question. <laughs> what's one app you can't live without? Uh, Google maps. Good one. No one said that, but I agree. All right. So thank you so much for all the feedback. If people want to connect with you or mutiny, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn is usually the best place to find me. All right, everyone look Jolly up on LinkedIn, check out mutiny, explore personalization and experimentation for your business. And thanks again for tuning in for process makes perfect. Thanks again, Jolly. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you wanna see this in color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.